what is what is your worst take? Do people have bad takes? What's your what's um, your worst take? I'm confused. Well, Phil, if I had a bad take, I wouldn't I wouldn't take <laughs> it. Explain. Ah. I definitely have bad takes. No, okay, okay, you, not bad takes. Like, like unpopular. A, you mean like takes. A, I know what you mean. You mean like takes. yeah, you mean like a yeah. like a hot take. Hot like take. A, yeah. Well, no. Wait, didn't we talk about what the meaning of hot no, takes? There's a difference. Like, there's a difference debate. between a hot take and an unpopular opinion. Right, a hot take is like a quick reaction that may. A hot or may take not is like be. a bold prediction, or yeah, like like unexpected, but like could be accurate. An unpopular opinion is very different. All right, all right. So now, what's your hot take? What's your unpopular opinion about anything? About anything. Watermelon sucks. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah, that's, I so, said that's it. so wrong. Watermelon's delicious. What? Doesn't your mom always brings out, or is it Phil's mom who always brings out watermelon? No, both. Your mom yeah, but I never. Moms I in general do. You don't have to specify. Which I can't mom. stand watermelon. <laughs> it's awful. My mom offers it because she knows you guys like it. It's delicious. Your mom has great watermelon too. Watermelon's awful. I stand by that. I I want to know why. No, tell tell us why. Yeah, it's it's not good. It's like ninety seven percent water or whatever. What so- if I told you that watermelon was actually pasta <laughs> and mac and cheese is also pasta? So therefore, by the transitive property, you know I give it to you, yeah. but you guys don't want to hear that. So like I don't know. Uh. You guys keep bringing it up, but you never let me talk about it. Like, make, make up your mind. If I'm going to talk about it, stop. Don't, let, let me talk about it. If you about, don't want me to talk about it, don't bring it up. About watermelon or pasta? The pasta debate. <laughs> you guys didn't want to let you just you didn't want to hear it, but you just bring it up all the time. Oh, I was very happy to hear it. Okay, well, Max and Phil were not in the mood, and Max continues to not be in the mood, but he'll keep bringing it up. The thing is, we already had the debate, and we well, yeah, exactly. we don't need to like have it every time because it would happen every it's time. A, it's a reference. Okay, John, I will grant you this: there is a bad kind of watermelon, which is like the mushy one. Yeah, no, no mushy. Crunchy watermelon, watermelon is where it's at. No, watermelon Ugh. has an awful texture. It's got an awful texture what? and a bland taste. What? Ooh, I, I I got a hot take. Another food related. No, hot take. unpopular opinion Everything or hot that, take. I don't care. I I think that. <laughs> Um, all the foods that people usually dislike because of texture, I love specifically because of their textures. Like, name a food that people dislike because of their texture. Pudding. You... Pudding. No. Who? No. Wait, I don't know a single person that doesn't like pudding. Me. No, that's Me. not Jello. a good example. Me. Eggs. Eggs. Yeah, eggs. Oysters. I love oysters. And Jess- oysters. Jesse be over here eating raw Scallops. Eggs. Like, any, Scallops. basically any kind of yeah, seafood. totally. Any kind of seafood people don't like because of texture. Yeah, seafoods. I love the texture of seafoods. I I think it's I think it's the coolest. Oysters. Thing. Yeah, oysters have great texture to them. Like I like scallops, but I know a ton of people that don't, and I don't like fish. Yeah, or like, I don't like fish for both reasons. Mushrooms so. too. People don't like the texture of mushrooms, and like Ooh, mushrooms not I only like. do. And I think this is the hot take part of it is not only do I not mind the texture, I like it specifically because of the cool texture. Do you think it's like? in spite of people that hate it no no i don't i think it's just objectively i think that those textures are like enjoyable in my mouth because they're unique that's such a jesse way to look at things yeah all right fair enough. Yeah. but yeah i don't like pudding pudding sucks that's a hot take yeah, yeah phil you're the first person i've ever talked to that doesn't like pudding i can't Ugh. believe you don't like pudding what kind of pudding? like have you had every like texture is it a texture thing it's it's a texture thing it's a taste thing I just, well, because like there's a wide just overall, of pudding just overall, it's just like you're eating basically like slightly Chocolate melted pudding. frosting. 
Exactly. No, that's how it that's feels not, like. No. It's just so so much sugar and so much it's sweet without that, without anything to soak fro- it up. There is some frosting that tastes disgusting, though. You know, like that. There, I, I don't know how to describe it, but there are is you talking some like frosting you talking like terrible. those hard pieces of frosting candy that like go on top of cakes? No, I'm well. Those are terrible. Yeah, too, those get really old like, really fast. Even just the, yeah, yeah, even just like the uh, more the spreadable frosting. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. But yeah, no, like, like pudding's interesting. I Phil, I've never met someone that doesn't like pudding. Really? No. Firstly, because there's such a wide variety of pudding flavors. Secondly, because like. There's I don't I don't I don't I don't get how the texture of pudding is bad. It's like, it's it's it like just, rich it, and creamy. It's, it's like not eating, it's, it's not like so much the mousse. texture. It's not so much the texture. I feel like it's more the consistency. I guess it's like, it's got the consistency. It's got the consistency of soft serve ice cream, just like at a warmer temperature. I got a question yeah. for you, Phil. Yes, you, Jesse. Do you is it like? What, what i'm sorry I'm, I'm all lost up is it like slimy for you like i remember yeah it just pudding that was kind of like slimy you know like it would almost like jiggle on the spoon a little i just bit. never that's it just jello. never sat right with me jello is also jello. a big if a big iffy i don't like jello i can give okay. you jello i don't like jello that, pudding i, like, I love I pudding that. I see that connection then because you're right pudding is a little bit jello-y it's like less so but a little bit yeah it can, I guess it can be, but, like, I don't know. I've never had a bad pudding. Phil, I also don't think you've had the best kind of pudding. Probably. I mean, the only pudding I've probably ever good. had would be Aldi off-brand. Cause that's Phil, have you ever had, had, like, Phil, have you ever had chocolate cream pie? Um, chocolate cream pie. I don't know, probably, I guess, I don't know. And, Phil, have you had, like, chocolate? Bro, chocolate cream pie, the, the filling of chocolate cream pie is chocolate pudding. Like, nine times out of ten. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember it particularly one way or another. I think chocolate pudding is much better. Like, I've only really had, like, a nice, deep, dark chocolate pudding, which I'm guessing is a lot less frosting-y than a milk chocolate pudding. And a lot less sugary as well. Chocolate pudding is, like, I I think about pudding in general, but, like, it's definitely better cold than, like, room temp. Yeah. Can we we just say that vanilla pudding is a waste of time and money? Oh, it's so bad. No, vanilla pudding's No, it's not good. Chocolate pudding, good. Chocolate and vanilla, like twist pudding, which is apparently a thing, also good because you mix it together and it tastes like chocolate. See, yep, correct. Um, correct. Butterscotch See. pudding, not great. Ooh. And then you guys know like uh, snack pack, how they make like those little pudding cups. Yeah, they make a lemon flavored pudding, which like sounds nasty, but in elementary school that was like the shit. That was so good. I what love kind that. Was it? Lemon. Lemon. I remember key lime pudding, and that was really good. So, John, John, you just mentioned a bunch of puddings, and you didn't like half of them. So you don't like no, half puddings. I like and I just like, I... and I just like, and I just dislike the other half, too. No, no, I agreed with Jesse that no. vanilla's overrated. Not because of texture, because of taste. Because of taste. Butterscotch is not the option, because, like, there's better choices than butterscotch. It's good. Mm, but, like, okay. lemon pudding and chocolate pudding, I can eat literally every day. Butterscotch mm. pudding's like a once-a-week kind of pudding. When's the last time you guys had pudding? Uh, like too long ago. Um... Yeah, uh, like, before, like a month ago, before like fifth grade. Like I have some at my apartment, so it's been like a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. I think my mom made pudding for dessert over break once, so like within the last two months. Okay, okay. I always viewed p- pudding as like that food that moms put in lunches to make their kid feel special. My dad no. put my pudding in my lunch to feel special. Thank you very much. Exactly. Uh, good old Ed Broadco, LinkedIn guru. I love. My Were dad. you connected with him back then, Jesse? I uh, know, and I and I don't know 
what else I was doing with my life, really. Honestly, though. Jesse, Jesse was born with a LinkedIn profile. <laughs> I don't know if you guys knew that. Well, like, my dad made the email address for me, maxjudic at Gmail. Like, when I was born, I'm pretty sure, or, like, soon after. Oh, wow. Right? Look at him so go. I'm just, I'm just imagining Ed, like, making the LinkedIn profile. <laughs> just like a baby. Just, just yeah, just reserving <laughs> well, it. Was LinkedIn even around in 1999? <laughs> could not tell you. Or uh, 98? God, no. What would be, like, my skills as an infant? Crying. Crying. Sleeping. Crying. Uh, getting eating. fed. Being yeah, a dependent. Eating. Potty training would being, be, like, a whole announcement to it. I'd be, like, up. Being yeah. dependent. <laughs> right, yeah. Jesse is now... Jesse, Jesse has, has the potty training uh, certificate. Jesse has added a new skill to his uh, portfolio, walking. Yeah, be the first one no, no, to no, endorse before, his skill. You gotta, start, you gotta start teething. Teething? Yeah. Resilience teething. shows resilience when under pain by crying it out. Proud to announce my new job at uh, as child at St. Mary's Daycare. <laughs> What would what that's that's actually an interesting thought. What would the LinkedIn profiles of like fictional characters look like? Ooh. Okay, you gotta give me a character. Yeah, you gotta pick SpongeBob. Someone. We're starting with SpongeBob? Uh, or Patrick. you can start with Patrick if you prefer. At the Krusty Krab. Well Patrick has a lot less skills head, to list. Head chef, right? Yeah. Well, so are we embellishing? No, no, no yeah, you gotta embellish. That's part of the LinkedIn formula. You can't just well, say, Sponge Oh, I I no, do the cooking. No, because no, no. no, SpongeBob's not the kind of guy to embellish. Like, obviously, anyone else writing that kind of profile would embellish. But SpongeBob's not an embellisher. Okay, say say you want to get That's him good. hired. You're He's hiring you to make a LinkedIn profile for okay, him. Okay, so I should embellish. Yes. Sure. Then, obviously, head chef at the most at the number one restaurant in Bikini Bottom. <laughs> like, you're immediately flexing that. Skills? No, wait, wait. What's a, what's a fancier word for chef? There's got to be something like food preparateur or something like that. No, you know? head chef. Head chef, Phil. Yeah, even at fancy restaurants, they just call him a chef. <laughs> yeah, head chef. Although, if we're being honest, sous chef sounds fancier because it's got a French word in it, but it's it's worse than That's a head true, chef. That's true, but it's actually yeah, it's really funny. Well, what about like what about like what about like connoisseur of of no, because he's not secret, a connoisseur. But, not, formulas. No, but a connoisseur is just like a like a reviewer, like a food. Okay, player. okay, okay. Fair enough, fair enough. I'm gonna yeah. Google this though, Phil. Fancy word for chef. I got you. All right, cool. <laughs> fancy word. What else would be on SpongeBob's LinkedIn profile? Well, so skills would definitely include jellyfishing, bubble blowing, and cooking. All right. Right? Those are the three that come to mind right the fuck away. How 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 would you describe that was so jellyfishing is a hobby, right? And so he would desc- like I feel like that would be described as like catching and taming wild animals, you know? He doesn't tame them. Okay, he doesn't tame them. He catches he does a catch and release. Okay. Practices. Partakes in partakes in humane practice of catching and releasing <laughs> wild jellyfish for study. That's how you would script that one, boys. That's wonderful. Okay, you ready? I got I got the chef words. Um, culinary artist, gourmet chef. Ooh, culinary artist sounds nice. Hash slinger, or I like, this one's my favorite. Cuisinier. Ooh, cuisinier. Like go. cuisine, like quiz cuisinier. It's yeah. the French word. It's a French word. It's all about French words. Those, so the Fre- French people must be so good at LinkedIn. Oh. French people just dominate the cooking fields. <laughs> there is, there's nothing else but French. Once you start cooking, it's all French. Have you ever thought, like, 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 what's the easiest language to rhyme in? No. What is the easiest language? No. Like, do you, do you know. know or are you asking? Yeah, is there no, an I mean, like, just from the limited amount of Spanish that I've taken, like, every other word ends in O or A. So it seems like... 
it'd be easier yeah, to kind of make but rhyme. like but like there's there's like a million words that end with e in english and those don't all rhyme and it's the same in spanish well they do all rhyme they do all rhyme objectively what i uh, well no i get what you're saying so like if, if done and score doesn't doesn't rhyme no, he, he's but no, it, he, like he O and oh, A in Spanish sound. aren't silent. Not the letters, like the the sound at the end. Yeah. The sound. Oh, okay. Like the vestido. No, but because because like Every rhyming rhyming is more than just the last word, last letter. It does not have to be. It does not have to be. The rhyme just needs to be the last sound. The more last sounds you do in the rhyme, the better it is. But exactly. rhyming is just the last sound. Mm. Right. So like maybe that's why maybe that's why the Japanese invented haiku. <laughs> <laughs> like we, our language just isn't made for this rhyming thing. Aha, now we're, we don't have to rhyme. Wow. That's why. That's why Americans invented free verse. That's true. Okay, I guess that makes sense. That Spanish would be good because, like, vestido. Uh, I'm trying to think of other things that end with O, but I can't think of any right now. Find Hebrew. The Hebrew is the easiest to rhyme in. Plurals all end the same way as do verbs. Oh. I feel like I feel like easiest to rhyme in, right? It's hard. That's hard to measure because, like, yeah, there's there's I'm the one thing of like what percentage of words rhyme with at least one other word, right? And then there's like what's like because like rhyming doesn't help if you can only rhyme like two things together and they have like completely opposite or completely the same meanings or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so like, I, well, I actually think it'd be. You, you could have some objective measure, right? You'd come up with a list of, like, the, you know, 10,000 most common words, mm-hmm. you know, that weren't, like, uh, articles or, like, really common words, yeah. right? So you'd come up with some list for every language, and then you can group those words by their rhyming category, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like the sound. Yeah, and then you have some objective metric, like, what's the average uh, size of that group? Or, no, maybe not the average size. Um Something like, what does the distribution of sizes look like? Yeah. You, know? you could have some objective measure. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like. Yeah. But, like, but like, what I was trying to get is that there's, like, more to rhyming than just the rhyme itself, but it's also, like, the utility of the rhyme in terms of, like, how expressive can you be when you're doing well, the Well, I thought the question was just what's the easiest language to rhyme in, not how expressive can you yeah, be Yeah, but like, rhyme. But, like... It's fine, if, it's fine if you have a bunch of words that rhyme, but if they're, like, of, like, obscure science words, you're not going to be using well, them in a rap thing. The, yeah, that's, that's why I said you use the most Yeah, exactly, most, and that's a, good way, that's, a good way to, that's a good way to get around it. You guys are such programmers, and I love it. I mean, I mean I'm just thinking of, that sounds like something Tom Scott would do, right? <laughs> Honestly, that would be, that would be a, a, a decent, like, program thing. Just, like, right? get a list of all the words, and then just categorize them. Yeah. Well, the hard, is, the hard part is the hard part. Yeah, how, is like how do you figure out how how a word is pronounced based on like you'd have to know a lot about. Uh, you train AI. How? No, I think well, because here's the thing: there is notation for pronunciation, right? Mm-hmm. There's like that that really those all those really weird symbols that tell you how to pronounce a word. Oh yeah, phonetic language. Yeah, exactly. So you'd have to use that basically to, to figure out what rhymes with mm-hmm. what. I bet you could write a computer program to figure that out pretty easily if you knew what you were doing and there's also but there's also like near rhymes the words that like don't really rhyme but like if someone like per not like emphasizes the right parts of it yeah it rhymes you know right right near rhyme just means any of the same vowel sound technically it just doesn't have to have the same consonants that's the that's the definition of a near rhyme okay 
Yeah, I feel like you definitely have to limit the scope of what you're doing to be like very specific in like one type of rhyme, you know? Mm -hmm. For sure. Because like you could definitely expand it. But then you'd have to be careful if you were writing this program, you'd have to be careful not to count rhymes with itself because that's sort of cheating, right? Well, yeah, that'd be pretty easy to get around. Yeah. I mean, you're just grouping, you're just putting them in groups, right? Yeah. Like, I'm wondering like what the like most, what do you think the most complicated language is? And how do you, how do you measure it? Like complicated and mean, like one measure of complicated might be like, how many words do you need to know to be able to get by in a in a day in the language or something like that sure yeah you could or like you could measure complicated by how difficult is it to write the symbols well yeah well language. so like it's interesting because like you bring this up english obviously doesn't follow phonetics sometimes a lot of the time and mm -hmm. so it'd be hard but at the same time english doesn't have different genders for words and so that simplifies english right so what is weighted yeah. more in that you know mm -hmm. That's like true. Spanish has Spanish has masculine and feminine nouns and verbs. Yeah. Right? English does not. It's just noun verb. Pronunciation is a thing too. English is one of the only languages that doesn't have uniform pronunciation for letters. Really? Yeah, like think about it in Spanish. You will never see an E that's pronounced any other way but with the sound A. Like that's it. That's every single E you see without an exception is pronounced with that sound. Well, mm. the other thing is like other languages use accents to denote the different sounds like english technically could they just don't mm -hmm. you know like yeah like the letter a makes like three different sounds like logically you could denote that with an accent mark and we just don't yeah in chinese uh words are actually changed in their meaning by the accent which yeah. is crazy like the word ma just with no accent means mother but if you put a little carrot on top of it, it's pronounced ma, and it means horse. Bro, the mom jokes write themselves in Chinese, apparently. <laughs> Isn't it, like, also, like, in, in Spanish, like, papa is, like, father, but also potato? Because you can say, like, papas fritas, which means french fries. Sure, yeah. Guys, can I go off on a tangent with languages for a second here? Go ahead. No, Dude. you're not allowed. Those are just homophones, right? Aren't the, yeah, but but that I think homophones add to the complexity of the language because now you need to know the difference how to when to tell the difference between two words that are the same. Yeah, sure. Jesse, what's your tangent? All right, the, I have two tangents. The first one's short. In Polish, like, do you know how in Spanish you conjugate verbs, and I think in English you conjugate verbs too, right? To some like, extent, yeah. yeah. I am, you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, in yeah. Polish, you conjugate nouns. And there's seven conjugations for, like, depending on where the noun is in oh, a wow. sentence. It has a different ending. Damn. Even to the point of names, like, if I was to say, I am Jesse, that would be a different Jesse than to say, Jesse went to the store. Like, there's, like, four or five different types of endings for your name. I think, I want to say that's the same thing in Russian, because I feel like I remember Jess saying something about that. Where it's at least there's something similar in Russian where it's like a, a an unexpected way to conjugate things, and I don't want to get it wrong, mm -hmm. um, but I think Jess was mentioning there was a similar thing in, in Russian that that's how it worked. Okay, can I go on my long tangent? So long tangent. So the the kind of topic in question is how is like how are systems of grammar developed, right? Like, are you guys are you guys shitting me right now? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Max. I didn't know 
Don't bother. <laughs> John and I got locked up. Sorry, Max. Yeah, we did the we did the thing. You can't break rule one. Sorry, Max. You were on your own there, buddy. Oh God. So so they were locked in, and I was the only defender left, and they scored. Yeah. yeah. You uh-huh. can't break that rule. All right, Jesse. I'm sorry. What were you saying? Very tough. Very tough. Grammar is the question. So, like, how do languages develop systems of grammar? Like these intense systems of when to use which words when and and like like how does that happen? And it's a very hard thing to figure out. Oh, you mean like why do we have conjugations? Yeah, like and like Or yeah, why like, are they the way that they are? Exactly. Like why are they the way that they are? And like entire like groups of people have like agreed on these over historically and the the point in time where people decided you'd say this instead of that like it it predates writing in many cases well yeah sort of speaking exactly exactly so we speak with these grammatical patterns which means no one like sat down and said okay this is what the chart's going to be for ar er and ir verbs you know Mm -hmm. all right but speaking of this can i can i offer an example yeah go for it i've seen this written down one time and i'm not going to get the order right but there is a very specific order in english in yeah. how you list your adjectives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. It's a, right. So it's a, it's a yeah. Can I example? It's like, it like starts. It like starts with opinion. Um, but the example that comes oh, to yeah, mind, like, you can't have green great, but you can have great green. Yeah, it's a it's a yeah. great green car. It's not a green great car. Yeah, right. But like that's like I've I've seen it written one time. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, that's a sweet example. And it's like it's super specific. There's like because apparently there's like nine different types of adjectives. Oh my gosh! But it's interesting though, because like it's a really hard thing. Like like what you say about it being human nature. Like that's a conclusion. I got this from Steven Pinker. He's like a famous linguist. He's also really strangely conservative, but his linguistics is cool. So he talked about how like it's a really hard thing to prove. You know where languages come from and how grammar and stuff like that starts because like you don't really get to see languages start (laughs) as a researcher, you know? Uh Mm -hmm. But they did. In the 1970s, I think it was Nicaragua. It was was definitely a South American country, and they they were under this, like, awful dictator, you know? And the dictator had mandated for, like, almost a century that deaf people not um, communicate with each other at all that deaf people be as close as they can to like lip reading and joining real society as much as they can. And they didn't talk to each other. They didn't see each other. And so when this ruler was like ousted, you know, or the family of ruler was ousted, all of the deaf people got together and started communicating with each other and living together. Cause that's what people do when they, are hearing impaired is they live with each other and then they start speaking to each other in sign language. Mm-hmm. And sign language is cool because sign language has a bunch of different dialects and a bunch of different grammars. So like every person who speaks sign language speaks it with a certain grammar and they, they have the same type of grammatical rules in sign language that they do in any language. Which is cool in and of itself. So, like, linguists can study sign language the same way they study any other language. And it's the same type mm-hmm. of patterns and rules. You're just doing different motions for different, you know, tenses and all that stuff. That's dope. So, what was cool, though, is that they found that 
the adults who all got together after this thing left that they all spoke a very broken form of sign language. Like it would be the equivalent of like dog eat bone. You know, it wasn't, there wasn't much grammar to it. It was very of like, they came up with symbols for all this stuff together, but there was no grammar. And it wasn't until all those people starting having kids with each other. And they started noticing that the kids were picking up the sign language words from their parents, this disjointed sign language words, but linguists were there to study this and notice that even on the playground and stuff like that, three, four, five-year-old kids were starting to use complex grammar structures with each other in their sign language. Mm -hmm. So it's like, the children and and all the same complex grammatical structure, like something happened there where it was like innate in these like tiny, tiny brains to take the jumbled language that their parents were giving them. And they literally like intuitively created their own complex patterned grammatical structure for this language. That's really cool as kids and that that was that was that grammar consistent with the grammar that was decided upon by the people who made the language or was that like a new grammar no one made the language that was the thing it was a brand new language because none of the deaf people had ever spoken sign language before so Mm -hmm. it was just when they got together to live together that they started like they just sort of developed they just they started making signs for things but they didn't make signs for grammar because they didn't know about like how to do that you know they just, <laughs> well it's like yeah. it's like it's like it's like the hierarchy of needs but like a language edition mm-hmm. or whatever the fuck it's called you know like if i'm trying to survive i don't need to know different pronouns i just have to know like man you know mm-hmm. or person right totally like, i don't i don't need to know i don't need to know that like the dog eats a bone. I just have to know dog eat bone, right? Exactly. Like, pretty much, pretty much noun, verb, and like object of a sentence. Mm-hmm. Like nothing and, else. And the other conclusion of that, and this makes sense intuitively, is that like children are the grammar grammar masters of our species. You know, like the adults literally did not have the brain capacity to do that to create. Right. I mean, that's why it's so so hard to learn a language as an adult right like you, you can memorize a bunch of nouns and adjectives but like the hard part is the conjugation and all the weird grammar rules mm. that's like automatic when you're a kid because kids are literally built to design their own language with each other and they do if given the chance which is amazing <laughs> like how twins just like like twins can just have their own language you know yeah like that that's the thing Oh, that's a cool connection, John. Yeah, that's my tangent. It's a good tangent. Before we leave the language conversations, I feel like I have to ask you, Phil, just about like what it was like learning German and English as you were growing up, because that's kind of a cool thing. Couldn't tell you. I don't remember it. But what I can tell you is I'm watching grow up learning German and English, and she knows the difference between the two, right? How old is How old is she's she's three and a half i think right now and so my sister is teaching her like talking german to her at home and whatnot so she can learn german and we also when we hang out with her we also talk german to her because she's 
obviously going to have more exposure to English in school and whatnot. But it's really cool because she knows the difference. Even even if we don't explicitly say, hey, uh, rubber, that's an English word. So make sure to put that in the English category. Or then we say, schokolade, that's a German word. Make sure to put it in the German category. There's never like, we never like explicitly say that. Or that's not ever explicitly said. But she still knows the difference between English and German because... And she knows daddy uses English, mommy uses German. So when she talks mm. to the different things, she uses that language. Oh my goodness. And she knows how to do that. And it, it was never explicitly told like, hey, use English with daddy. And these are the words you can use. You know, she just sort of knows. And she also like, Afa also notices a lot because she's also doing the same thing with, with her kids. Um, but like this idea of then... There's sometimes when they like combine the languages and they say like, I need to get auf den bus, which means like I need to get on the bus, right? But like half the sentence is English, half the sentence is German because like there is a sort of distinction between the, the languages in their minds, but at the same time, they're sort of both viewed as like two halves of the same whole. And so they can sometimes combine them. And Anna, Anna I says, mean, you do that. Huh? You used to do that. I mean, I assume you yeah. still do, but like when you would talk to your parents in high school on the phone, you would like speak the whole thing in German to just like throw in an English word here and there, and like the rest yeah. of us would just yeah, like, yeah, look yeah. at each other and laugh. Totally. Yeah. Right. Like Jess does that with Russian all the time. Mm-hmm. But like there was another thing of like they combined. There were some occasions. Like I was trying not to block it. Um, yeah, there, you almost did. There were some. There were some times where like they made up a new word and it was half German, half English. Because like they combined, you could you could tell that like half of it was German, half of it was English because of like the pronunciations. Because they're they're just like mm. words you can they're just like you can tell when something sort of sounds like English even if you don't yeah. know the word. Yeah, and they were like combining words, so it's actually really cool like watching them sort of grow up. Just for that reason, it's only cool. It's only cool watching. No, them grow it's up cool watching them grow up in language. general. But like it's relevant to the conversation is this language thing. No, I know. I just like like Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> but the yeah, the reason to watch your kids grow up is to see what they do with the language. That's it. Honestly, like I'm actually curious because um, I did. <laughs> it's maybe not very humane, but I did an experiment um, on my German cousin when I when I last saw her like two years ago or something like that. Um, and I was like, wouldn't it be weird if like I taught her the wrong words? for like two things and like have them switched and then like have her learn that and then see what happens like as she learns what the actual things are and then like good have her mind good. be blown really and that's good. and that's like <laughs> I, would that be her mind be blown she'd be like whoa that's so cool or she'd be like wait a minute i'm pretty sure fucking asshole um yeah but afa was not a big fan of the idea but i went through with it anyways and i taught her that uh the like a wait how old's your cousin uh she's she's like four now but this was like when she was two okay. and so like i pointed to a tire and i was like eraser look at this eraser this is a great eraser and like i kept like repeating That's like it. the brian <laughs> yeah, yeah i kept <laughs> i kept like repeating the big yellow oxen the sun. The farmer tended to his oxen <laughs> I don't know. How I, do you make a plural, Brian? I did that subconsciously. I didn't even realize. You that. put an S. You put an S on it. <laughs> you put an S at the end. 
<laughs> but no, I kept I kept repeating eraser, eraser, pointing at a tire. And then we got home and there was an eraser there. And I said, look, it's a tire, tire, tire. Look, it's this great tire and stuff. And then like I quizzed her later. I'm like, I would hold up an eraser and I'd be like, what's this? And she's like, tire. And then Ace no! was like, no. No. That's and so, awful. but I don't think, I don't think it's, it's done lasting damage because Afa quickly taught her the correct words, but then yeah. also was like, what is this? And she'd say tire, correctly identifying a tire. And then, and then she'd say, "What does stupid, stupid Uncle Philip say it is?" And she's like, "Eraser." And so, really, oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> so that's fantastic. Yeah. So I suggested that's... to do the same thing with, uh, uh, but Anna was like, "Nah." And so, probably for good reason, but you know, you know what, Phil? I guess you just got to have your own kids to fuck with them. I know, right? Everyone seems to say it's like not a good idea. But like, I mean, imagine that would be like kids. that would be like the ultimate fake news. Like people would just go around thinking tires are erasers. Yeah, and then they just have their minds be blown, and then they never trust still me again. Don't think their minds are going to be blown, and then they'd never trust me again. Um, okay, they would like be they would be blowing. really confused for at least two days. All right, that's not mind no, blowing no. though. Actually, though, let's consider this: How long could you convince your own child that tire was eraser and eraser was tire? Probably until they go to school, or like yeah, it, like eraser and tire. They're like as soon as they watch, as soon as they interact with like other people. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the thing is like right, like Phil, like mind blowing would be like you keep your kid inside their entire life, and then at like age ten, you take them out to see the sky for the first okay, time. Okay, it's not that's Plato's mind cave. blowing, huh? It's not Plato's cave. Okay, yeah, but like that's mind blowing, right? Like language, like. Fucking with it by switching two words is not mind blowing. <laughs> You'll just be like, "Wait a minute." He said, "No." Oh, fuck you, Phil. I think it can be mind blowing because, like, no, no, because you I, know what this reminds me of what this reminds me of an episode of The Sweet Life of Zach and Cody, great show. Where do you guys remember that show? You watch The Sweet Life, right? I remember it. I never watched it. I didn't yeah. watch yeah. a lot of it. The one scene that I love from that show is the the butler or whatever sits in the car. It's like, the you want to listen to the radio? We've got M and mm. Very good. So there's there's one scene. This always bothered me. Even back then, it bothered me. I was I was a smart kid. I so there's a scene where they're watching a video and they're twins and they're watching a video. Their mom interacts with them when they were babies, and she like can't tell the difference between them. Like she can't tell like who's Zach and who's Cody for a minute. And so, like, she kind of just decides, okay, this one's Zach and this one's Cody. So that's that's the scene in the show. And so the kids, they have this, like, existential crisis because <laughs> they think that they have it wrong, that the one's mm-hmm. Zach and the other one might be Cody. And so then they decide to, like, switch personalities. And Zach gets all nerdy and Cody gets all jock-like. And for the day, they're like, yeah, we're going to switch personalities. You know, because that's how personalities work. It's tied to your name. No, it's just a name. It's just a name. That's all it is. It's just a tire. It's just an eraser, but it's still the thing. It's names and yeah. words. <laughs> but Jesse, is it a dog or is it a hunk of flesh? Oh. I was about to say, this sounds like a c- class now. <laughs> oh. I was going to say, this sounds like a podcast because my argument was going to be, who cares whose name is whose? This is the name that they've grown up with, so that's the name they should use because it facilitates communication. But you're the one telling us that, like, let's fuck with them. Let's blow their minds by saying it's a tire instead of an eraser. Right? Like, that's literally the point you're making. Like, who fucking cares? 
One of them is used to propel cars. One of them is used to get rid of graphite on paper. Uh, speaking, that was the point. Speaking of things that are annoying, if we go back to unpopular opinions, which may or may or not be an unpopular opinion, but every time I watch a movie or like a TV show that has like any amount of conflict, which is like all of them, um, the conflict can usually be easily avoided if people did like a double check or like communicated effectively. And that always <laughs> so like annoyed true. me. Like it's, it's so like you, you sure you want me to press the red button? Like I feel like it's bad to press the red button. It's like oh no yeah yeah and I meant the blue button. It's like oh okay gotcha. And then like the whole like the mo- plot Phil, of the movie is avoided. You're, Phil, you're awful at communicating. I'm not saying I'm good. I'm saying Phil. I'm annoyed in in the movies when it's obvious that they could just have like clarified a few things they were confused Phil, people on. People like you are the reason why that movie cliche exists. No. 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 Yes. Yes. No. No. No, I, I'm no gonna, but like a lot of times you that. know that something bad's gonna happen because you're watching a movie. But like if you were in that situation, it you it would just be like, oh, I, I just want to go. It's like a Thursday, and I just want to go home from work. I guess you yeah, know? that's that's true. the other thing. Like shows and movies have to have conflict. I know. So like obviously you're expecting it, but like it's based on reality here, guy. Like people do this. Okay. This is okay. just like some nonsensical okay. stupid do you have, thing. Do you have an example? Okay. Okay. Where it's like, okay, oh, okay, I'm okay, better here, here. than these people. So, in some movies, I think it's okay, because, like, okay, the find the movie had to happen in some way, right? But, like, in other... The place I see it most is, like, rom-coms. And that's, that's literally how rom-coms are supposed to work. Exactly, for. and it's, it's like, so frustrating. Like, you're watching the wrong genre. If you get pissed off at how rom-coms function, like, don't watch rom-coms, my no, no, guy. No. So, if you're trying to take the conf- the unnecessary conflict out of a rom-com, it's not a rom-com anymore. <laughs> Fair. You mean how, like, one person will walk in on the other person with someone else and, like, instantly assume that they're cheating? Yeah. Right? Like, that's that's how rom-coms work. So you're literally just like, I don't like the rom-com genre because it's too <laughs> rom-com-y. Like, that's how but it works. That's can what I, it is. Can I, can I, can I t- tell you about the rom-com I watched that made me particularly frustrated about this? Sure. And then I'll advise you to stop watching rom-coms. Yeah. I don't like watch rom coms. I was watching this with Jess, and we were we were mainly watching for the purpose of laughing at how stupid it is. Okay, um, well then it, you're right. It was stupid. Um, but the, the like the whole conflict about so this girl like she used to live in a big city and she moved to like the wilderness in Australia. Was, is it a Hallmark movie? It might have been. It was on Netflix, so I don't know. One, one of those one of those Christmas. Movies. No, no, it wasn't no, a Christmas movie. It was, a, it was a Christmas. But she moves from a big city to Australia. And she, like, leaves her boyfriend. She's like, I don't know if I can do this. And, like, you should have come to Australia with me. All, all that stuff. But she's still, like, sort of not really dating him. Um, but moves to Australia. And then, like, there's obviously a hunky guy in Australia that she falls in love with. And that they want to do everything with all that jazz. But there's, like, the villain who, like, doesn't want her to get the hunky guy. Because that means that she's staying in Australia. And staying is somehow, like, a threat to her and whatnot. Um... And so, like, this evil person sabotages the girl by stealing her phone and, like, texting the boyfriend to come to Australia. Right? Like, just, like, a text that's like, hey, you should come to Australia, basically. And then he freaking just shows up. Like, 
I feel like if someone like just based on a text, like he bought yeah, like a thousand dollars. Exactly. He's like he's yeah. like he sees a text. You should come to Australia, and then without asking any questions, without texting again, without calling of like what the hell is going on? You like didn't want me to come at first. Blah blah blah. All that stuff. He like goes out, buys a ticket for like a fifteen hour flight to Australia, and right. just yeah. shows up. And that's like the so conflict. I, I think you're getting. I think you're getting unnecessarily annoyed at a cheesy rom com. Yeah, like it's what it does. But like, that's come on, cheesy come on. Do. Can you put more effort than that? Like, at any point, no, they don't need to. It there sells. was there was literally a week of time where the girl could have checked her phone and seen the text that apparently she sent, and then clarified like, "Uh, I did not send that text. Don't come to Australia." Right? Did she like Phil, not look at her phone for a week? So. Have I ever told you my homework policy? What's your homework policy? My homework policy is do just enough to get a decent grade and call it at that. Like, there's no point in putting in an extra two hours to raise your grade five points, for me at least. Okay. Right? Yeah. The that is the rule. same That is the same argument that writers of a cheesy rom-com will make. Do just enough to keep your audience hooked, which clearly they do, otherwise they wouldn't be writing this cheesy rom-com. Mm-hmm. So, like... For you to say that, like, oh, this cheesy rom-com was just too damn cheesy, like, hats off to you for having somewhat decent taste in shows, but, like, just don't watch cheesy rom-coms, guy. Like, that's how all cheesy rom-coms are. I know. And there's a lot of them. You can usually tell, like, what's gonna happen, who's the villain, who's the, like, love interest, and all that stuff within the first ten minutes of any rom-com. Again, that's just how they work. I once was in an improv show and we had to like act out a scene based on like a movie genre and um and like it was like audience chosen movie genre and they chose rom-com once and when I heard rom-com I interpreted like Romeo and Juliet Shakespeare play and so like the other people were like acting like a normal rom-com would but then I was like Oh, thou bitter sweet eyes have fallen upon me, and all that stuff. And so, it was it because when you were two years old, someone told you the incorrect definition of rom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that uh, you have been bamboozled, sir. Oh, uh, mind and blown. Bet, yeah, your mind is just fucking blown. I bet. <laughs> oh.